Welcome to Bottomless Rugby, the home of boys, brews, and sports balls. This is the main event hosted by Dr. Dupin Kaya, and joining us as a new co-host is Jason. Kaya has some technical problems, so he will not be with us this week, but Jason is here to take over for him. On this podcast, we talk about the current hot topic of the week, we touch base on the weekend games, and pick a boykey of the week. If you are a new listener, welcome to the Modernist Rugby Network with multiple podcasts released every week. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider following Modernist Rugby on social media and podcast streaming services. Let's get into it. Jason, welcome, my brew. You are with us for the first time. How do you feel? You know, it's good. I've been contributing here and there where I can, but it's good to finally get a slot on the show. I swear there was no sabotage on my part for Kaya. That's not why I'm here. Like, that's not related. Yeah, you can tell me how you did it later off the air. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the first thing I want to I wanna touch on is um, this past weekend's games. Um, yeah, two upsets, basically, and then close... Close games. I must say, this whole weekend, you know, if you just look at the results, most of these games were, you know, within three points, uh, apart from the Reds' Western Force, which was a seven-point difference. But I think it's a good sign that we are getting these tight games. What do you think? Yeah, that's what you want to see from your derby rugby. You don't want to be seeing big scores flying around. You don't want to be seeing, okay, this is like clear and obvious who's going to win each match. Like, if that was the case, people just wouldn't be that interested in watching. But, like, seeing these close games and close scores, even when it's, like, it's not meant to happen, like, I'm all for it. It adds to the excitement. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, I mean, we basically had the Hurricanes Blues and then the Chiefs Highlanders. Well, I mean, that Brumbies game as well. I mean, these were all games where, you know, right at the death, you didn't really know who was going to take it. And these upsets happened, you know, quite late in the matches. Um, but first, let's let's quickly check in on that Reds-Force game. So Reds won 31-24 against the Force. Uh, quite a predictable one. So Super Brew community, 92% of them picked that outcome. Is there anything that stood out in this game for you? Uh, the same thing that stuck out for me like from the first Force game I watched this year. Like, if Force are like a boxer with a glass jaw, like they can hit hard. But when you hit them hard on, a, on an attack, they can't really handle it. So like their defense and their defensive positioning as well is really not up to scratch yet, but it is slowly improving as shown by the closer score against the Reds. So they're on the up. It's just taking a while. Yeah, I'm with you there. I do think the Force are struggling a little bit to, you know, convert an advantage, you know, like a scoreboard advantage. Uh, so it's two games in a row now where they've led by 14 and let it slip. Uh, so that is a little bit concerning. Um, and I think it's probably just a little bit of an adjustment to this competition that needs to happen. But I must say, like, Reds are actually looking like they could compete with the Brumbies, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, because before this competition, I was really thinking, you know, this is the Brumbies one to to take. Um, but yeah, all right, let's go to the Saturday games. Um, so we had an upset that occurred. Um, Hurricanes versus the Blues. Hurricanes winning 29-27. 
So only 39% of the Superbrew community picked the Hurricanes to win. So it's not like a major upset, but most most people thought the Blues are the better team. Is there anything that you you think in that in in this match? You know what what what's the take home message there? Well, the take home message I think is that when they need to, this Hurricanes team really can step it up. Like before the first whistle, you'd expect the Blues to win from the first whistle. I think it was obvious that the Hurricanes deserved to win, even though they weren't leading for large parts of the, that match. And I think it's a bit concerning that it's two on the trot now the Blues have have lost. Obviously, they're missing some big players, but they're starting to show glimpses of that old Blues team, and we really don't want to see that here. Yeah, I'm with you. The big thing for me that stood out is is uh, this match we finally saw in Ghani Lamape unleashed, mm. you know. And... Let's be honest, so when Bowden left the Hurricanes, he was sort of probably their biggest attacking weapon. He left. Lamape is now the biggest attacking weapon for the Hurricanes. And it clicked for him, right? Absolute blind of a match. Because Kai has always preached about uh, Bowden is the one that unlocks Lamape. Yeah. You know? And he, he, he kind of struggled in the last couple of games. And this game, he came out. I'm stoked for him. It's good to see the Hurricanes um, performing. Um, but yeah, concerns for the Blues, you know, dropping two in a row. Because, um, you know, like with their recent past, you're a little bit afraid that they might go into a little bit of a slump. Uh, then the other Saturday game, we had the Waratahs versus Brumbies. Uh, Brumbies taking that one 24-23. 79% of the Superbrew community predicted that, but I'm damn sure that they did not predict it was going to be that tight. Uh, what do you think of this match? This match is a strange one because the Waratahs, despite all their bad form, they, they should have won this match. The Brumbies played badly. I mean, there were less than 70% uh, of their own scrums and lineups were won by them. And like that's all their attack is based on. Plus, they lost Lola Steel early on. Like Honestly, watching this, as much as I wanted the Brumbies to beat the Waratahs, they did not deserve it. I mean, that last minute try, Fine should not have got through on that lazy running line. But it just shows the Waratahs are still haven't shaken off that 2020 form just yet. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned with Rugby Australia in general when it comes to the lineouts and how they are struggling at lineout time. Um, you know, being a forward myself, um, you know, this is something that should just work. You know, if you if you lose one or two a match, you know, it's kind of acceptable. But we've seen some staggering numbers in the last two rounds. Uh, so that's a bit of a concern for me. I, I think the biggest thing that comes out of this match is um, the loss of Lulesio for the Brumbies. And, you know, he's been a revelation for them. And I don't think they're going to be as competitive as they should be to take this competition anymore. So I think this kind of opens the door for the Reds a bit. The Reds might just be the complete outfit amongst them all now that the Brumbies have lost Lalesio. Um So then on Saturday, we had Chiefs versus Highlanders. Highlanders pulling that one out of the hat right at the death, 33-31. This is something I would consider a somewhat of a major upset uh, within the Superbrew community because um, only 30% of the community picked the Highlanders to win. Um, so 
Team Gatland 048 is still alive. I'm super stoked about that. Even though I selected the Chiefs to take this one, I thought they would probably do a good performance. It did look like they were playing well, going 24-0 up, but then things just went south from there. What happened, Jason? You know, this Highlanders team, they've shown in the past, they have a good knack for take coming back in the dying minutes to win matches. I think there was a match in 2015 against the Cheetahs. The Cheetahs were leading by three tries. 10 minutes before the end of the match. And the Highlanders still won that match. So this team has shown that they're really good at counter-attacking. But to me, it just feels like this Chiefs side, there's something not right in there. And I don't know if it's a disconnect between the coach and the players or weird things like that. I mean, they were struggling to hold up the match and they left Aaron Cruden on the bench, which was also weird. There's something not right in that Chiefs outfit, and that's why they couldn't hold out this lead. I mean, it was a 24-point lead at one stage, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a 24-point lead at one stage, and then things just did not work out. Um, yeah, I mean, your point of leaving um, Cruder on the bench is a strange one, because if you as a coach see the momentum shifting, maybe try something. And, you know, bring on another 10 that could, you know, completely change the flow of the game, either by slowing it down, being a bit more tactical with kicking, you know, whatever. Like like changing your playmaker on the field sort of changes the style, which means the other team has to adapt to that change now. Uh, maybe that could have made a difference. But I'm with you. I think there's uh, definitely a little bit of a disparity between, you know, the players and the coach going on here. There has to be some sort of attention there. Um like, um, I don't think this is now just something where, oh, you know, either the players are not doing something right or the coach is not doing something right. It's probably a bit of both now, and they need to figure out what they are going to do going forward. Um, but I pretty much think, um, yeah, the Chiefs can go through this competition without a W now because they're only, like, they play the Highlanders now, and arguably they still need to play the stronger teams. So... Team 048 Gatland, I think is it's it's well and alive, you know. It's happening. Yeah, I wonder what the betting odds would have been to put money down for the Chiefs to lose eight in Super Rugby. Like you that, would have got that big is bucks. Very unlikely. There would have probably been a fortune to be made. Alrighty, so let's move on to our hot topic of the week. Alrighty, so this weekend we got news out of New Zealand that they decided that it is time to kick South Africa and Australia out of Super Rugby and that they want to move forward with the competition structure that includes themselves, uh, two or three Australian teams and a Pacific Islands team, uh, which New Zealand would obviously want to host, but Australia like, no, we want to host them. Right, so so they decided it's time to kind of you know end the Super Rugby format how it was. Um, now South Africa is in a position where we need to figure out where our teams are going to go. There has been talks that the teams can head north to Europe. I think it is a good move. I actually feel that um, this will benefit South African rugby the most. Uh, we get to play up north. Uh, us fans get something different. It's probably better on our players. 
we actually get to tap into a an, another rugby market, which is a strong rugby market. Uh, I mean, way stronger than Australia is contributing to to the Super Rugby thing in any case. Um, right, and then we'll still likely Sunzar is not going away, so there'll still be a rugby championship. So I think this could benefit South African rugby a lot. Um, I just quickly want to hear your thoughts on that, but before we move on to, you know, the actual crux of this matter. Well, for me, it's the big sad thing for me here is not having those New Zealand versus South Africa Super Rugby matches. You know, especially as a Sharks fan, we did our best rugby playing overseas in New Zealand. We're not so good at Kings Park. So, like, I'm going to miss that. And, like, it's going to be very good to play the over the guys in Europe, but you know, there's something special about playing New Zealand. But in the end, like you said, it's going to benefit us when we're playing at our in our time zone. When we're playing with more money. So, yeah, and all those. I think we're going to come out well. I think the big losers here are the Jaguares. Like, I think they're basically done at this point. Yeah, I, I do feel sorry for them, but um, yeah, that's why something something needs to happen there in America. Like, they need to get some sort of a tournament. Like that is as close as possible to that um, standard that Super Rugby um, offered, you know. Something something needs to happen in that region of the world. Um, but you are right. Like, I think it's got to be cheaper for the SA franchises just to travel, you know, up to Europe. It's an overnight flight. You're there. No time zone differences. So cost-wise, it's going to work out a lot cheaper, you know, for the franchises as well, which is a good thing. Um, so... We also got news that in South Africa, we can now have non-contact training within the rugby franchises, although we do not have an actual idea of when play would resume, right? So these do raise a couple of questions, um, right? Uh, so will we have domestic rugby? And if we're going to have domestic rugby, what would that look like? And then, you know, barring still that there's a pandemic in the world, we're not too sure whether there is going to be international rugby matches played this year. I'm confident next year there will be. But this year, there's still a couple of big question marks. So what can we do? So we saw that New Zealand and Australia were kind of talking about the state of origin kind of exhibition matches, you know, just something for the fans to dig into and enjoy. And then SA Rugby Mac kind of also flirted with this idea and they actually put together an interesting um, couple of team selections. Um, so we decided we're going to kind of go along with this. Um, and they put together these provincial or regional teams. Right? They put together an Eastern Cape KZN team and a Western Cape Northern Cape team. Uh, we then decided we're going to put together a Free State Gauteng team. And the idea would be, right, if we're going to have this sort of exhibition matches or this little exhibition series, um, this would be a fantastic way to kind of um, broadcast where the talent in the country comes from. And these would be experimental teams. You know, we've never seen these team combinations. We've never seen them play together. And this would just be absolutely fun as a fan to see these matches because these teams are exciting as can be. Uh, so first off, Jason, you kind of um, came up with this idea, you know, to have like a third one there, kind of have a, a mini Tri-Nations kind of vibe within South Africa. 
tell me tell me what you think about um, how this could could happen you know well i mean having the three teams there i think it could run you could run it very similar to how the regular tri nations would would go you know playing each other and then maybe for a little bit of extra finesse you have a final to go along with it to crown champions i think like you and i have discussed it before if they're going to go ahead with something like this they need to boost the fan involvement boost like the engagement with the fans with this kind of thing maybe get run competitions for them to design kits maybe say okay we've got these guys here who would you want in the squad get the fans voting on things like that you know just really try and increase the engagement which has been lacking in South African rugby yeah definitely i i love the idea of um getting the fans involved to design jerseys um you know kind of you could you could let the fans be completely involved in the design of the logos like everything if you want to um i i generally do like the idea of these fan selected teams um you could you could basically get the fans to be like um vote for your squad and once the teams have like let's say they have their 30 players um then it's up to the coach to decide you know who's going to be in the starting 15 the bench and so forth uh, but I, I really love the idea of um going all in for the fans if you want to have an exhibition matches just to generate some money uh generate that crowd that fan interest and also to give the players extra match time because this is already a year where players are going to be playing you know, they're no, not going to be anywhere near the, the number of matches that a prof professional rugby player should play on a regular basis to stay in tip-top shape. So I feel like any rugby that can be put together is going to be beneficial. So why not just have fun with this, you know? And I think these teams are the definition of fun and we get to see where the talent comes from. So let's run through some of these teams. And we're first going to run through the two that um, SA Rugby Mag put together. Uh, they put together a Western Cape, Northern Cape team and an Eastern Cape KZN team. And then we decided to put together a uh, Gauteng Free State team. All right, so let's look at that Western Cape, Northern Cape team. I'll run it from 15 to 1. And then we'll just, yeah, we'll we'll mention, we'll just quickly run over the bench. Um, and we'll kind of get an idea of what's going on here so i'm, I'm not going to say where exactly the guys are from um we'll put that on on the instagram for everyone to see all right so at 15 for the western cape northern cape team we have Billy larue at 14 cheslin colby at 13 jesse creel at 12 damien dalende at 11 dylan lades at 10 andre pollard at 9 herschel yanchis 8 Yano Augustus, 7, Peter Steff Tutoy, 6, Nizam Carr, 5, J.D. Schickerling, 4, Eben Etzebeth, 3, Franz Malabe, 2, Yaku Fusahi, 1, Stephen Kitsov, and then on the bench from 16 to 23, we've got Ashley Johnson, Thomas Tutoy, Vilku Lowe, Salman Murat, Hachiva Daimani, Embrose Papir, Damien Willemse, and Warwick Gelant. Now, Jason, uh, what comes to mind in this team for you? Well, I mean, looking at this team, the first thing that pops out is, man, that backline. That is one impressive backline. 
And then even going beyond that, like you can see the lot of Western Cape influence in there. Like that forward pack is looking strong. I think set pieces, they're going to be a nightmare to play against. Uh, I think looking at the bench as well, having someone like Daimani, the pace that he brings, the skill that he has with ball in hand, I bring him on to finish off the team in the second half. Like I think this team is going to be fairly lethal. I'm with you there. But in all honesty, I think all these teams look very, very lethal. Oh, yeah. Because um, in, in some ways, this is further concentrating the, the talent pool in South Africa, you know. Um, like, like, like this would probably be, yeah, the best out of the best. And then we also should just mention that, like, provinces like Mpumalanga, Limpopo, the Northwest aren't really included in this setup. Uh, simply because we don't want to have too many teams because then you might as well just have the normal standard Curry Cup competition where players are. So there are some prominent names that will not feature here. But nonetheless, this is star-studded in all teams. For me, the interesting that stands out here is that you can actually see all these players, you know, played for the Stormers, like most of them. And it kind of shows you that the Stormers actually did a a really good job at keeping local talent, you know, which um, is very important. And I think it helps a lot with, um, you know, franchise identities and so forth. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is um, a solid, solid backline. Um, I really, I really like this team. I, I do think that, um, yeah, like I, I like Ashley Johnson. I actually would, would say, why not start Ashley Johnson? Good point. I think yeah. you. I would. I would rather want to see Ashley Johnson there for sixty minutes than for twenty minutes. Let me put it that way. You know. Yeah. Um, and then you could say, well, Damien Willem said, do you maybe want to find a spot for him somewhere? But to be honest, I don't know where you would put him in in that backline. Uh, probably the only weak link within that backline you could say is Dylan Lates. Who do you put in? You could say Warwick Halant, but on pace, Dylan is probably going to take Warwick Halant after he had that injury where you can clearly see he lost a bit of his pace. Um, but nonetheless, I, th I think this is a very entertaining team. You know, um, Having Pollard there at 10 with this sort of a backline, yeah, will probably balance out that um, expansive play with a bit of like good tactical kicking, you know? Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's let's have a look at this Eastern Cape KZN team, and this is by far the team that I like the most, like backline-wise. Oh, like I think this is a coach's dream, and touch sessions, and this is going to be super fun uh, with this team. All right, so this Eastern Cape KZN, KZN team at 15, Apolele Fassi, 14, Roscoe Speckman, 13, Lucanio Am, 12, Franz Stein, the legend, 11. Makazolo Mapimpi, 10, Alton Yanchis, 9, Sanele Nohamba, 8, Sigumbuze Noche, 7, Andisa Ancila, 6, Siakolisi, 5, Sintu Manjezi, 4, Tembalani Boli, 3, Kudzwai Dube, 2, Keren Van Fieren, 1, Lizo Oboka, and then uh, reserves, you got Dylan Richardson, Stisi Tole, Nzama Majola, John Luke Dupree, James Fenter, Jaden Hendrickser, Sergio Peterson, Kerwin Bosch. 
All right, you actually know a couple of these people personally, some of the youngsters coming through. Um, what do you think of this Eastern Cape KZN team, uh, Jason? And are there some changes you would have made looking at the that bench? Uh, looking at this team, like this team is just set up perfectly for counter-attacking rugby. Like if you look at like how they can play, they've got all the, the speed in that back line. They've got speed in the loose forward. Like as soon as they get that ball, I can picture that going to Alton, him setting it up. I can picture Francois Stane being told, look, just go stand back on the 10 in case they turn it over so you can boot them back. But like, uh, I just, I, I would love to watch this team running together and just see Alton Yankee setting these guys loose. Uh, looking at the uh, forward pack, I would say Andesan Sila is very good, but I'm a big Jean-Luc Dupree fan. Okay, like I, I really rate him, and his offload game I think would be really good in this team. So I'd have him in there. Uh, apart from that, like really good talent on the bench. Dylan Richardson, like I went to primary school with this guy actually, and it's it's so weird to see him in a Sharks jersey and on teams <laughs> like this. Like I never, and he was flanked for most of that time. So like just seeing them suddenly be like jacked and playing this team is quite surreal. I think there is a bit of a lack of depth in the front front row compared to the other two teams, but I think they can make that up with their loose three in the back line. Yeah. Uh, this team, I think, will struggle at scrum time. Mm. Um, if you look at that tight five, um, I mean, we, we have a lot of younger guys coming up, um, guys that still kind of need to you know, establish that real reputation for themselves. Um, this is the one area where, you know, if you look at players coming from Eastern Cape KZN, like they've been a little bit thin in producing talent in the tight five, you know? Because yeah. um, to me as well, like, I know Timbalani Bolli has played, like, a lot on the loose as well. So I don't necessarily consider him a tight head lock specialist. And then if you look at that front row, you know, it's quite a young front row to start off with and it's quite a bit of an experience. Like if you just compare that to the other front rows, you look at it and you're like, Ugh. you know, like this, this might not go so well. Uh, so that's my only real concern. I do understand, um, yeah, your your logic for Jean-Luc Dupree. But you can also look at it this way, like if you bring on John Luke Dupree and James Fenter as like a like an impact combination, I think that could like just change the flow of a game. Um, considering one is sort of more a fetcher and the other one is a specialist runner with a with an offload game, uh, adds, adds a bit of grunt at the end of the game to go forward. Um, and then yeah, Kerwin Bosch has to chow bench. Understandably, right, so. Is, Understandably so. There's is, is no place for me. I looked at this back and I'm like, where can you get Cohen Bush in? Because arguably so far this year it was probably the Form 10 in SA uh, up until, yeah, I mean, Elton is still, I mean, like he's LeBron of the Lions, you know, he's just carrying that team himself. Uh, so Elton, like, deservedly so, you know, to, to get the 10 jersey. But yeah, I mean, Cohen, Cohen cover, covers that back line very, very well. Because you could say, all right, you know, like Fronstein could be the ultimate utility back, but who would you put at 12, you know? Who would you put at 12? And there's no one really there. 
Elton Young could be the smallest 12 in rugby history. Yeah, it's it's not not a good idea. But nonetheless, this backline, like this, this is going to be a counter-attack team. They're probably very well suited to play against the Western Cape team if Pollard's going to kick a lot, you know. So yeah. any any kick that is not pinpoint, this is going to be dangerous because Fussy is like the counter-attack king at the moment. All right, so let's take a look at um, our team we put together, the Free State Gauteng team. Um, really, really solid team. We, we had to dig for a couple of uh, positions to try and find people. Jason, you did a fantastic job putting this together. Um, it's a little bit of a pity, you know, that we we did exclude uh, one of the other provinces. Um but I mean, because all these other two teams were just from two provinces, we kind of stuck to that format, and we think you know it's quite important to have like that central team, that Gauteng Free State team. It's kind of like just the cat setup, you know. Um, so let's run through from 15 to one. So at 15, Scott Spedding, uh, 14, Wanderseli Similani, 13, Francois Fenter, 12, Rohan Janse van Rensburg. 11, Sibelis and Natla, 10, Lionel Cronier, 9, Kobus Reinach, 8, Jakke Kutsier, 7, Reinhard Elstad, 6, Marco van Staden, 5, Franco Mostert, 4, Lote Jager, 3, Marcel van der Merwe, 2, Bonkim Bonambi, 1, Oxenche, and then reserves are Malcolm Marks, Johan Skuman, Yanni Duplessis, Paul Willemse, Opa Mohoje, Ruan Pinar, Yaku Taute, Yevier Fulyun. That is one solid, solid bench. Jason, this bench is ridiculous, man. Um, <laughs> uh, and this front row, man, like like this tight five, this is a solid team we put together, yeah? Yeah, this... Like seeing this Houting Free State team scrumming against that Western Cape Northern Cape team, the rest of the fans won't enjoy. But us front row players, oh, we're gonna love it. Like honestly, um, looking at the rest of the team, I can tell you, wing. Surprisingly, wing was a big problem here. I would have thought there were more wingers coming out of Free State than that, like top level. Maybe there are some people I overlooked. Uh, that's why Similana gets. He was one of the first names on the sheet. That's why he goes to wingers. Wikipedia says he can play there. So I'm sorry for playing out of position, but I felt it was better to get you there and have that center pairing of Janse van Rensburg and Fenter instead of putting like a Louis Ludic or Yevier Full unit that wing slot. Uh, 10 was also hard to fill. Lionel Crony is a very good player, so I'm happy with him being there. Uh, the other guys, they're like, they're bubbling under, like George Whitehead, Theon Skumon. They're curry cup strong, but I don't think they're strong enough for this level. And then hooker. This this these two provinces have made too many good hookers because not even including on this list, there's Akur van der Merwe and Bismarck Duplessis. And I mean you uh, there were other really good hookers who are just like I've got hookers, I don't need to look anymore. These guys do very well with producing hookers. Yeah. Um I mean, looking at this team, I actually think that this tight five is probably the strongest tight five, you know, mm. between these three teams. Tightly contested with uh, Western Cape, but I think Western Cape, like, nothing against Yaku Fisaki, you know, but 
I, I feel like Bongi is going to chow him in scrum time, you know, uh, which which has got to put a lot of pressure on on Steven and France, you know, to sort of solidify that front row, you know. But like he's got Ox, he's got Marcel. Ox has been scrumming brilliant this year. Mm. Um, so like, and then second half you bring Malcolm in, which is like arguably probably a better scrummager than Bongi, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's super dangerous. Um, this backline as well, like I, I, I do feel ten ten is a weak link in this team, you know. Um and, and you would be so tempted to be like, Okay, don't you want to give Kerwin like don't you want to move over type of thing, you know, but we're not gonna do this. Um, you know, but, but Lionel would definitely do a solid job, you know. Um you you got Rohan there, you got Franchard, you know, like you got big centers, so like all all he needs to do is just kind of feed these guys. Um, you know, get it to Sabella into some space. You know, if the gravity of Rohan and Francois is good enough, then you're going to create some opportunities for the other guys. Uh, Kubas Reynolds is going to keep everyone honest um, around the fringes. Um, you probably have the best uh, lock pairing in this sort of a competition with Franco Mostert, Luther Jager. Um, and those two are probably going to run the ball a lot. Uh, Luther Jager is a brilliant runner. So I think. This is like a fantastic idea. I would pay money to watch this, and with just these three teams, you can you can do something where you know like you even if you want to go like Cape Town, Durban, you know Alice Park, right? You can have both like your matches. You got a match there. Um, like these guys can play each other twice. Make it happen. And you could maybe just, you know, sprinkle a bit of jazz on top and have a final. Like, you could do all of this in one month. Won't require too much of the players. You know, it's basically two matches and then potentially a final for all of them. It's not that much. Uh, so it could be quite quite fun to see. And it'll be good to see, like, these different combinations. Like, this is just interesting, you know? Yeah. I want to put you on the spot quickly. Who wins this totem? Um, who wins this? Yeah, who wins this? Joe, this is tight. I I think this is a difficult one to call. But if I have to have to choose one right now, I'll I'll be honest. I am leaning towards that Western Cape team. Um, they got Colby man, but then I also feel like the Eastern Cape KZN team because they got Mapimpi, you know, and Mapimpi is my favorite player. Like, oh, I, I so want them to take it. And I love Franz Stein. Like, he probably could have been the most Springbok, capped Springbok of all time by now. You know, yeah. if, if if his relationship and sorrows, you know, just went smoothly. Like, we, we could have had, like, a legend on another level here. But it is what it is. Uh, all right, so who do you think would take this? I would be leaning towards the Western Cape, Northern Cape team as well. Mainly because the Skateng team, the areas where if they get an injury, it's it's a bit late for them. Like, they're, they're short in depth in some areas. And the Eastern Cape KZN team, like, if they could find a way for their scrums and liners to just be solid and hold off these other guys, they'd win it. But I'm not sure they'd be able to against two essentially Springbok front row. Yeah, I just think that if if you look at the the Western Cape Northern Cape squad as a whole, they they're just way more balanced, you know. Yeah. 
Whereas if you look at the Eastern Cape team, right, forwards are a bit vulnerable, like tight five is vulnerable, backline's solid. And then look at the, the Free State Gauteng team, forwards are solid, but the backline's a little bit vulnerable, you know? Yeah, those are the main areas of concern. I, I'm so bummed we couldn't include like some guys from Northwest here because then you'd have Fafteklak, you'd have guys like Athas, Neyman. There are so many well, really Fafteklak good guys. Is not right? from the Northwest, eh? <laughs> well, one of those areas, you know what I mean? It's like, from Pumalanga. It's from my Langa, province. <laughs> so I know you claim you claim those guys. So claim my plan. I, will, I will claim Faf. I will claim Dwayne. You know they both went to the same high school, eh? Dwayne and Faf. Yeah, really. I went to Nelspreet High School, if I'm not mistaken. Um, sure. Yeah, both of them. Um, some really, really good players out there in Pumalanga. Um, isn't of course he's also from Pumalanga, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Barberton. Yeah, um, and then yeah, like you say, like Northwest is a big name. Marcel could see us from there. So Kuni was there <laughs> as well. Name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuni's Kuni's there as well. So. Some big names that can be put together if you even were to, you know, decide on a fourth team or something. But I think this sort of a setup could be a lot of fun. Um, you could even consider if you were to just make all of these players available. Um, you know, kind of pick a captain for three teams, and then you get, you know, rugby fans to vote certain players into certain teams. You know, yeah. That could be a lot of fun. Or you could have some sort of like a draft system to go down. You know, um, there's a lot of lot of options. You know, like a draft system where you could maybe give like teams like budget as well, but like whatever funds are raised can go to like you know uh, other some charities or COVID relief or whatever. It's, I think they've like commercially there should be a lot of options within this as well. Uh, that would be quite exciting. There's one thing I just thought of with that Gauteng Free State team. Like for the guys who are born other places in Africa, could be drafted in based on where they they signed up now, um, or where they had their debut. Madosh Tambwe could fill in that wing spot nicely. He's from the Congo. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that could work. That could work. Alrighty, but we'll leave it at that, and uh, let's go on to our boyki of the week. <laughs> Alrighty, so this boykie of the week came in like a wrecking ball. Ngani Lamape, he just absolutely demolished Bowden Barrett twice. One, first time, he stepped and rounded him and then gassed Bowden. Bowden couldn't catch him, right? Uh, and then the second time, he just kind of like ran over Bowden like, like he was a, this tiny little speed bump. Like, have you ever seen someone try to make a tackle and fall that quickly to the ground, Jason. Like, you watch the slow motion of that thing. Waden is trying to make it look like he's trying to tackle. As soon as Lamarpe is right there, he's diving, trying to dive to the side. But he wasn't fast enough. Man did not want so, it. Right. In Bowden's defense, okay, it's, it's no defense. This is not a defense. <laughs> he can be lucky that they managed to stop Lamarpe uh, when he ran over him, right? Otherwise, it would have looked really bad. And because I believe that at that moment, Bowden was thinking to himself, "There is absolutely no way I'm stopping him, one on one, right?" And this kind of identified to me, like, "All right, Bowden, one on one, is gonna be a bit more vulnerable. We've maybe 
thought a little bit too much of Bowden, you know, over the last couple of years. Like he did build this reputation, but I think Lamapi kind of exposed that at the least on a defensive end, you know, it's just... Yeah, he's shown defensive frailties often in his career, but his attack just overwhelmed. So him being at fullback might expose that more often. That's what I'm thinking as well. And I can understand why there is quite a bit of a call by some people that he should shift back to 10. Um, but yeah, um, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not going to delve onto the Bowden topic now. I think that's a topic for another day, another time. But uh, Ngani Lamape, you are our boyki of the week for absolutely destroying Bowden. As a South African, we love it when that happens, even if it's two New Zealanders doing that to each other. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, tell those people not to disrespect your name and play rugby the way you want to play it. Exactly. Right? That is why you're there. You're there to run over people. Keep doing it. We love to see a bus that's full, right? <laughs> we just love it. So keep doing what you're doing. You are now on our Boyki squad, right? You're slotting into that 12 spot. It is open. So we got our wrecking ball at 12. Um, so stoked. This team is coming together nicely. There's some really interesting names out there. And I'm quite excited to see how it's going to fill up going forward. Uh, with that, let's take a quick tap and look at our upcoming matches. So this coming Friday, we got uh, the Waratahs versus Reds. It's going to be at Sydney Cricket Ground, uh, 11 o'clock kickoff. Uh, Jason, uh, pick a winner for me. You know, Waratahs facing the Rebels here, it's it's going to be tight. Like I do think Waratahs are going to take it. I think they've shown they're on the up, but either way, I won't be really surprised at the result. I think that's going to be a good match to watch. Yeah, I think I think Waratahs to take this one. I think they are due... Um, you know, to get rewarded because they do look like they are improving. Uh, all right. Then on Saturday, 9 o'clock in the morning, we got Crusaders versus the Hurricanes. That's going to be at Orange Theory Stadium in Christchurch. Uh, pick a winner. Crusaders going to make a 36, 36 games unbeaten at home. Yeah, I don't see that changing anytime soon. The question is, uh, do you think it's going to be like a bonus point game for them? Oh, not at all. It's going to be tight. But the Crusaders will Red's win in the end. Yeah, I think depending on what teams they put out, uh, we did see now David Havili is injured out for the rest, of the rest of the tournament, so it means Will Jordan's probably going to start. I think it's going to be better for them. I think the Crusaders might be, you know, better for that. I, I think they could take this by, you know, 10-point margin. I think it's on the cards. Uh, then the other game on Saturday at 11.15, we've got the Western Force versus the Brumbies. Uh, as far as I know, venue hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, but how do you see this one playing out? Even without Lolesu, uh, I can't see the Western Force suddenly beating the Brumby. It's their best chance to get a win so far with this like depleted Brumby side and their bad performance. But Brumby's going to take it. Yeah, I think the time for an upset is now. And this is the best opportunity the Force is going to have to make a real statement. Uh, but I am with you. I think this is an unlikely scenario. And the Brumbies, yeah, I, th I think the Brumbies will still take it. Uh, then we have our Sunday match, the early one, the 5.35 in the morning one. We've got the Blues versus Chiefs. Um, I'm going all four team Gatlin 0-8. I think Blues are going to take this. How, what do you think? Yeah, even with the depleted players, just because there's something wrong in that Chiefs setup, 
I got to back the Blues, but I don't think it will be tight. And again, as a prime opportunity for an upset, uh, I'll not be watching because it's 5.30 in the morning on a Sunday. Yeah, prime opportunity for an upset, although I think it is highly unlikely. Um, I do not see this Blues team taking three in a row. Right, I do not see that. Um, you could argue the Chiefs are like overdue for a good performance now, but I kind of feel like oof, last week's uh, loss might have hurt them really, really bad. That was their right. good performance, to be honest. Yeah, ex- exactly. That was a good performance, and then it just, you know, fell apart. All right, so let's end it off there. Right. Uh, you can leave us a comment or voice message on Anchor and tell us what you think about you know these upcoming matches and who you're looking out for. Do you do you think uh, you know Gatlin 0 and 8 is gonna survive all the way to the end of this competition? Uh, I'm holding thumbs. I hope it's gonna happen. Uh, we also want to send out a big shout out to all our favorite boykies. Keep on making rugby exciting for us fans. Really appreciate what you do out there. And then thank you to our listeners for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed this, this episode of the main event. And please consider following Bottomless Rugby on social media and podcast streaming services to stay up to date with the latest content. So until next week, stay away from your boys, wash your hands often, drink lots of water, and stay safe. Cheers. <laughs>